There is a dream or an idea that I think we've all had. And it happens when you, you walk past your attic or you go to visit an older relative or maybe you drive by one of these. And you wonder, I wonder if there's anything that's worth anything there. Like, I wonder if I could find some, some treasure there. Because there are some stories of people who have found incredible treasure in unlikely places. Like this guy. This is Zach Norris, not to be confused with the heartthrob from the 80s and 90s, Zach Morris. This is Zach Norris, and in 2014, he went to Goodwill in Phoenix and was shopping through a a tub of broken watches when he found this rare diving watch, and he paid $5.99 for it, and then he sold it to a watch collector for $35,000. Pretty good day at Goodwill, I would say. Then in 1989, there was a guy who was a financial analyst in Philadelphia, and he was out thrifting, and he found at an antique store this frame that he loved for $4. He brought it home, and he was trying to set it up, and the the frame fell apart in his hands. And as the piece of art fell off, he noticed the document behind it, and it was this document. One of 500 copies of the Declaration of Independence, only 23 were still accounted for, And it went for $3 million at auction. And then a guy by the name of Andy Fields was garage sailing in my hometown of Las Vegas. And he noticed a pile of sketches at this garage sale for $5. Five sketches for $5. And the woman who was running the garage sale said that her aunt had babysat Andy Warhol. And that this was one of his sketches. And so he bought these five sketches of Andy Warhol for $5, went home, found his signature on the back, and they were appraised for $2 million. $5 for $2 million. These, these are amazing stories. These are why when we go to our grandparents' house, we, we go through the attic. Or when you go to buy a garage sale, you hunt around. Or maybe some of you get the idea that I'm just going to try to flip all my stuff on eBay and make a little bit of cash, because who knows how much it's worth. But what's funny is that I think there's something in the church today that is like this. It's a piece of treasure that we've thrown away, that we've given up on. And today I want to explore that with you. Last Sunday, we started this series called Present Over Perfect. And we talked about the fact that as we begin a new year, one of the key parts of a a new year is a new rhythm. Because for many of us, our rhythm in our lives is marked by things like noise, and busyness, and a hurried spirit. Now, on a day like today, it's hard to hurry because you're going to end up on the side of the road. But on many days for us, the the challenge is, is that we cram so much into our day, and we live at such a crazy pace that it's hard to hear from God. It's hard to connect with God. And we said last week that it's, it's hard to hear God when you hurry. And we've heard from so many of you who that message reflected where you are and where you're struggling. And we're so glad that this series is arriving at the right time. But today, as we talk about a practice, a a discipline, uh, an act that will help us maintain this present focus, as opposed to just trying to create a perfect life, I want to acknowledge that for some of you, you've heard about this before, and maybe you've thrown it in the trash. Maybe you've heard about this before, and so when I share this concept with you, you're just going to roll your eyes and go, yeah, 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 whatever. But you made it through the snow today, so you might as well lean in and listen, right? You might as well give this a shot. And so today, I want to talk to you about a treasure that I think we've thrown away, 
we've overlooked and we've missed. Want to know what the treasure is? It's this word called Sabbath. Sabbath. Sabbath is an old word. It's rooted in the Old Testament. It's actually part of the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. And the word Sabbath simply means a day reserved for rest and worship. That's, that's what Sabbath is. It's a day reserved for rest and worship. In the Old Testament, and for people who are Jewish, that day is Friday from sundown to Saturday at sundown. The early Christians, who many of whom were Jews, shifted that day to Sunday because Christ rose from the dead on Sunday. But, but I think within Sabbath is something that would really help a people who are struggling to live at a pace that's leaving us exhausted, burned out, frustrated, and not hearing from God. But the challenge is, as I said, there are some very real obstacles that get in the way of us experiencing this. And I want to talk about three this morning as we get started. The first one is, is legalism. Now, when I use the word legalism, what I mean is the kind of religious life where we do all of these things to earn God's love and approval. So legalism is simply this idea that if I do all of the right things, then God will love me. And if you know somebody who lives according to legalism, there are two words that probably describe the person that you know. Pride and control. Because legalism makes us proud of all the things we've done, and it gives us this idea that we can control God until God doesn't follow the rules and something messes up and we go, what's the deal with that? But for many of us, Sabbath fits in this legalism and it's a barrier because we've watched people who had a very legalistic approach to Sabbath. They couldn't do anything or they could do nothing fun or it was really restrictive. And so we said, ah, I don't want anything to do with that. That's, that's kind of Old Testament. That's, that's, that's just legalistic. I don't want anything to do with that. Another obstacle in our way is, is leisure. You might say, how is that an obstacle? That's a good thing, right, Scott? I have free time. I can relax. Well, leisure is kind of the goal, I think, for many Americans. How do I get the majority of my time that is not spoken for so I can just enjoy it and do nothing? The challenge is, is that for many of us, we are looking to leisure for what God intended to give us through Sabbath. We're looking to vacation or rest or relaxation for something that only God can give us. And for many of us, we've elevated leisure to an unhealthy level. And I'll just say this right now, and you can send me an email if you want, but I think we need to recognize that we're living in a culture that doesn't line up with biblical values, including when it comes to work and rest. Some of our American values when it comes to work and rest and retirement and life are actually more American than they are biblical. And then the third obstacle is this one. I haven't earned it yet. For some of us, when it comes to the idea of taking a day to rest and worship a whole day, we go, that's great, Scott, but I have too much to do. I have too much to accomplish, and I haven't earned that yet. So when I get everything done, then I can do that. Or, or, or when I get to a season where I've, I've gotten to a level in my company or my business, then I can rest. Or, or, or when I get to a place where I've, I've gotten enough accomplished that I will survive for a day without doing anything, then I will do that. And if this is you, I have tremendous empathy for you. Because this is my biggest obstacle. I don't like to rest when I still have stuff on my to-do list. I don't like to rest when I feel like I have stuff that needs to be accomplished. And last month, a little over a month ago, I had one of those days that was just one of those terrible days where you feel like you're just terrible at everything. 
Like I was a terrible pastor and a terrible husband and a terrible dad and a terrible friend. I just, I mean, it was just, it was a terrible Thursday. I mean, it was just terrible. And I came home and I was in a really, really bad place. I remember laying in my bed with my wife and I had my head, my head underneath my pillow. I mean, I just was, I was in a dark place. Okay. It was a bad, bad day. And when I came out, I said, are you going to ask me what's wrong? And she said, I'm just waiting for you to come out from me under the pillow. You know, like I'm, I'm just here whenever you're ready to talk. And I said, well, I'm ready to talk now. And so I kind of rehashed all of my, you know, issues. And she said, well, you need to take a day and you need to go away. I said, I can't do that. I haven't earned it yet. I have too much to do. She said, what is going to burn down tomorrow? If you don't do this, well, the kids have to get to school and you have an appointment. She said, you have free from nine to four. Those seven hours, you're free, right? I said, yeah. She said, then just get out of here. Uh, go somewhere. And so I did. I, I went here. And I, I went on this trail outside uh, Sedona. And, and I didn't feel like I earned it. When I first was driving there, I was thinking about all the things that were undone. All the things that I didn't have to do. But somewhere through the muddy red soil that covered my shoes... God spoke to me, and God did a work in me, and I experienced him. And I experienced the truth of what Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, where he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. And here's the thing. If you've been around church before, you go, oh, Sabbath, that's just Old Testament, all those food laws, all that stuff, left it behind. No, God didn't make you for the Sabbath He made the Sabbath for you because he knew you and he knew how you would live. He knew what you'd be tempted by and he knew what you would need. And he knew that you would need rest for your soul. And that's our big idea this morning. Sabbath isn't a burden to us. It's God's gift to us. Sabbath isn't a burden to us. It's something to to expect or to maintain or to do in order to earn God's love or favor. It isn't one more thing to put on your to-do list. It's a gift that meets some very particular needs in your life and in my life. And it provides us some opportunities that we don't find any other way. And so as we talk about how do we be present with God so we can experience him in 2019, this morning I want to share with you three opportunities. Because I believe when we practice Sabbath, we embrace the opportunity to do three things. And here's the first one. We embrace the opportunity to remember that God is sovereign and we are not. Sabbath gives us the opportunity to remember that God is sovereign and we are not. The word sovereign is a big word. But it's a simple concept, and it basically means one who possesses or wields supreme or ultimate power. When someone or something is sovereign, that means they possess and they wield and can use ultimate or sovereign power. And so when we celebrate and experience Sabbath, we are remembering that God is the one who possesses or wields supreme or ultimate power, and we don't. And many times in this world, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are supremely in charge, that we are powerful when we're actually fairly powerless. And the the concept of Sabbath is introduced really early in the Bible in the book of Exodus. When we first read the Ten Commandments, Moses says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. This is speaking God's words. 
For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So when Sabbath is first introduced, it's in the context of God's sovereignty, his creation, that everything you see came from God. It's a sign of his power and his strength. Later on, right before they go into the promised land, Moses reminds the people of the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy 5, he says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So when he, introdu- he reintroduces it, he, he puts it in the context of their freedom from captivity and said, God was sovereign enough to create everything and he's sovereign enough to deliver you from hundreds of years of captivity in Egypt. And he calls us, God does, to practice what he does in resting for one day a week. In his book, The Rest of God, Mark Buchanan says says it this way. He says, Sabbath is imitating God so that we can stop trying to be God and admit that we need God. Sabbath is imitating God, doing what God does in resting for one day a week. So that for the purpose of stopping trying to be God and reminding ourselves and admitting that we need God. There are a lot of things in this world that seem like they're unlimited resources, except for you and me. We are limited resources. And like your phone battery or the gas in your car, or the food in your house if you have kids, those things run out. And you are a limited resource. Eventually, you run out. And Sabbath is a chance to step back and remember that God is the one who's sovereign. He's the unlimited resource. And so we need to stop trying to be God, and we need to admit that we need God. Because when we celebrate Sabbath, when we stop and we pull back, we're trusting that God is powerful enough to take care of the world while we're resting. All of you, I hope, practiced a little bit of this last night when you went to sleep. Sleep is surrender, right? When you lay your head in the pillow, you're saying, I'm just going to trust whatever happens right now. I'm going to trust that the the earth is going to keep turning and my kids are going to be okay and that situation is going to be okay and that circumstance is going to be all right for the next six or seven or eight hours. And when you can't sleep, you know, that time where your head hits the pillow and all of a sudden everything in your brain turns on and you're reminded everything you have to do, everything that isn't right in your life, everything that's frustrating, isn't that a sign of all the places where you feel out of control? all those places that you struggle to surrender? See, if you struggle with sleep, I'm going to hazard a guess that you struggle with Sabbath because it's the same struggle. At the end of the day, it's, it's this question. Is God sovereign or are you? Sabbath forces us to answer that question because if you're going to take a day, you're trusting that God is sovereign while you're away. And what's so funny is that in the Bible, the Bible calls people who will not work lazy, and it calls those who will not rest disobedient. And yet in our culture, we have elevated workaholism as the highest value, 
and rest as something to be despised. In the, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, as Jesus was advancing in his ministry, John the Baptist said some very special words about his sense of what his life with Jesus was going to be. Now that Jesus was taking the scene, and John said these words, he must increase and I must decrease. When you celebrate Sabbath and you recognize that God is sovereign and you are not, what you are saying is that I want God to increase in my life and I'm going to decrease. And there's a word for that. Painful. But sometimes we need to follow the most painful path. Second opportunity Sabbath provides us is this. Sabbath provides us to experience the rest of God as we rest. Sabbath provides us the opportunity to experience the rest of God as we rest. What's funny about English is that there's words that have different meanings, very different meanings. And there is, as we rest, like the, the I'm not going to do anything kind of rest. And then there's the rest in terms of, are you going to eat the rest of that? And this, the rest of God, is that second one. When, when you rest, you experience all of this other part of God that you never have before. King David mentions this in the Psalms. In Psalm 46, 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That phrase, be still, we think, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be still. And that is part of the meaning But Hebrew, the language David was speaking, is a visual language. It's a pictorial language. Their their language is intended to give you a mental picture with words. And the mental picture that David is trying to give here in Psalm 46.10 is that there's a person living a life that is striving, is trying to achieve, is working hard, is wound up. And maybe another translation of Psalm 46.10 could be cease striving so that you can know that I am God. It's this idea that I'm working and I'm working and I'm, I'm going to unwind. I'm going to open up my hands. I'm going to de-stress. I'm going to let go so that in order to know that God is God. Here's the thing. Some of us only know God in two contexts. We know God in the context of anxiety and stress. We run to God, we lean into God when everything is on fire. We we turn to God and we talk to God and we pray to God when we're falling apart. This first one reminds me of that new uh, Avengers movie, you know, where they all kind of fly away. Or we, we talk to God when we're pushing a boulder up a hill and we need God to come through. Some of us, that's the only context we know God in. You know what that means? There is a ton of God that you've never experienced because you've never experienced him in peace and celebration. In, and thank you. And until you rest, you will never experience the rest of God. You say, man, I I want to experience God in a new and a fresh way this year. Okay, then you're going to have to leave behind hurry, anxiety, stress, busyness, and noise. So that you can experience God in peace and rest and stillness and in quiet. 
In Psalm 23, David gives us this famous psalm. If you've ever read the Psalms, you've probably read this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a famous, famous song. But we skip over the second line, which says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Here's the thing, just a warning, because I've been there. Either you can lay down or God will make you lie down. It's the same thing Peter says in 1 Peter 5. Either you can humble yourself so God can exalt you, or God will humble you. But either way, you will be humbled. And some of you, you're going to experience God forcing you to lie down. You wake up in a hospital room one day after a heart attack. You'll be laid up in bed, burned out and depressed. You won't be able to to get up one morning because you have nothing else to give. God will make you lie down in green pastures if you don't embrace rest. Or you can experience and choose and lean into rest because that gives you the experience and the opportunity to know the rest of God. The third opportunity that Sabbath provides us is to tear down the idols which are fighting with God for our hearts. Sabbath provides us an opportunity to do some demolition work inside us internally, to tear down the idols within us that are fighting with and opposed to what God wants to do in our hearts. In the Bible, there's, there's 66 books, and near the end, there's a book called Hebrews that, for the most part, we're not totally sure who wrote it. It was written to Jews who were Christians to help make sense of their faith in this new context. And in the book, one of the things the writer is trying to do is to help them understand some of the practices they experienced in Judaism in a new context now following Jesus. And the writer says in Hebrews chapter 4, He says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And then he continues. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What he's saying is that there is a rest from the striving and the working and the achieving that we do on our own. And God invites us into his presence to have our needs met. God wants you to come, not as someone who is super needy, but as someone who is in need all the time, he wants us to come to him and say, hey, I want to meet those needs. I want to satisfy those things. I want you to bring those things to me so that I can be your answer. In the Psalms, David says something similar. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. But here's the problem. And this is why a lot of us have kind of thrown Sabbath in the trash. We look to other things for what Sabbath was intended to give us. We look to things like this. We look to food or vacation or Netflix or a glass of wine to sustain us and meet our needs. You come home for a long day and go, I just need a glass of wine and a couple shows on Netflix and I'll be okay. I just need a week away and then I'll be all right here. 
I just need to gorge myself on food, which is the, the sin of gluttony the church never talks about. That excess there. We discuss excess of drinking and excess of sex. We never discuss excess of food. But we are taking these things, which I'm not totally certain are inherently bad. I'm not going to have a discussion about the Bible's teaching on alcohol today. I don't have time. But there's nothing inherently bad about Netflix or vacations or food. But when you take those things and you give them a role and a place that God was intended to have, what you have done is you've made an idol. Because an idol is anything, including good things, that you look to for what only God can give. And for many of us, we resist the idea of Sabbath. We go, I have all I need, Scott, to get that. Yeah, that's the problem. You have all your gods that are fighting with your heart for God's place. This is even part of the Old Testament too. In Isaiah, he says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. God has made it possible for all of the needs in your heart to be met through him. But many of us are unwilling because we want to hold on to our gods that have been meeting those needs, that have been making us feel better about ourselves. And one of the ways I believe God helps us to be saved and have strength is in returning and rest and in quietness and in trust, and that's Sabbath. That's leaning into him. That's for a day taking time to just stop and be still and allow God to rest, to refuel you as you rest and worship him. And what's so funny is that in the New Testament, do you want to know what Jesus' favorite activity was on the Sabbath? It wasn't running on the beach. It wasn't eating a great meal. It wasn't taking a long nap. His favorite activity on the Sabbath was healing people, which is why the Pharisees hated him so much. He was taking the day that they used to oppress people and he was setting them free. And in Mark chapter three, Jesus says to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent And he looked around at them with anger, greed at their hardness of heart, and said to the man whose hand was sick, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand, and his hand was restored. I wonder if you have a place that's sick in your life. I wonder if you have a place that's experiencing the brokenness and the reality of our sinful fallen world. And I wonder what it would look like if instead of you looking everywhere else but God for healing, you looked to him. Because you begin to recognize that Sabbath isn't a burden, it's a gift. And I wonder if in the places in your life where you are broken and need to be mended, I wonder if every week Sabbath might become that place where you begin to experience healing where you begin to experience God doing a work in you just as you are present with yourself and with him and in quietness and in stillness, in rest, you begin to experience the rest of God that you never knew existed. I mentioned Pastor Josh, who just came back from sabbatical last month. And he said, Scott, there's pieces of God that I experienced in the last two months that I had never found about because I hadn't been silent and still. And that's why it's God's gift to us. 
So because for many of us, this is a very foreign concept, you've never experienced it before, I want to give you some next steps. And before we get into these, I want you to know that some of the questions that you may have in your head, I'm going to try to answer next week. Like, does it have to be Sunday? Or, or what about people who serve on Sunday? Or what if you have a job where you're on call 24 hours a day? Or what if I'm no longer working and retired? We're going to get into those next week. Hopefully there's no snow next week and more of you come who are watching online right now because we'll bring those, those things together. But here's, here's some ideas about some ways you could get started with Sabbath. And here's the first one. I want you to identify a particular day when you'll begin Sabbath. Now, this isn't Thursdays. This is a day. So is it Friday, January the 18th? Is it Monday, January 28th? Is it Monday, February 5th? Saturday, February 3rd, I'd encourage you sometime in the next three to four weeks, pick a specific day of the year that you're going to begin practicing Sabbath and you're going to give it a shot, okay? Pick a day. Number two, create a plan for your Sabbath. Create a plan for what that day is going to look like. And here's the the plan I'm recommending to you. It's three things, okay? It's ceasing from the necessary embracing what gives you life and being present with God. Cease from what's necessary. So all of the things that typically weigh you down with obligations and expectations and your to-do list for a day, you're going to set those aside. So if you spend the majority of your day doing laundry and dishes, this is a laundry and dishes free day. Paper plates or build a stack, that's what it's going to be. Embrace what gives you life. Figure out what refuels you and do that. For some of you, it's being in nature. For some of you, it's going for a mountain bike ride. with Pastor Josh, you know, riding a bike like that would give him life. Riding a bike like that would take my life. So we're going to do different things. (laughs) But embrace what gives you life. And then third, in that, be present with God. Pay attention to God in a way that you never have before or that you don't normally. Maybe if you struggle with prayer, you're going to make a larger part of your day prayer. Maybe if you struggle with reading the Bible, you're going to do that. Maybe if there's a book that you've been putting off reading, you're going to do that. Cease from what's necessary, embrace what gives you life, and be present with God. Okay? You're going to do that one time. And then, third, you're going to expand your practice. So you're going to take that one day and go, hey, what would it mean if I did that once a month? Maybe if you're already doing this once a month, you expand and you do every other week or you do every week. Again, because this is not legalistic and because we are not under that law that Jesus was speaking to in that day, we have the flexibility to pursue and develop this practice. But I will tell you that the people who I've found who do this well, the reason why they do it well and I do it poorly is because they do it consistently and I do it occasionally. Successful people practice consistently what unsuccessful people practice inconsistently or occasionally. So it's how can you begin to be consistent, whatever that is. To give you a little bit of taste of of what this means and looks like, I'm going to ask you to close your notes up, set them down, set your phone aside that you were texting somebody with just now about where you're going for brunch. 
And I want you to take your, your hands, I want you to put them like this over your heart, both hands, okay? And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to feel your heart beat. And with your eyes closed, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've surrendered your life to him, I want you to think about the reality that God's spirit is beating in your chest. That God is present with you here. And now I want you to think about something that's causing you anxiety or worry or stress or concern. A burden that you have. On a scale of one to ten, we're looking for a a source of anxiety or stress that's at at least a six or a seven. Something that's, that's weighing down your heart. With your hand still over your heart, I want you to bring that thing to mind. And then for a second, I'm going to ask you to set it aside. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures over you as you listen that talk about the truth of God's presence with us. In Romans chapter 8, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And then in Philippians, Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So with your hands still over your heart, feeling your heartbeat, I want you to think about something in your life that you are grateful for. Something God has done. Something God has given you. And as that comes to mind, if it's a memory or an experience or a person, I want you to imagine stepping into that memory, that place, or or being near that person. I want you to look around and take that in. Really feel it. And I want you to thank God for that. That gift. Now I want you to think of a second gift that God has given you that you have to be grateful for. Could be a thing or a place. It could be a person or an experience. I want you to fully immerse yourself in that thing and feel the gratitude in your heart for that, that you didn't deserve that. And I want you to silently in your heart tell God how grateful you are for that. Express to him how you feel for him entrusting that to you. And now third, I want you to think about a really big decision or situation you've had to navigate in the past where God really guided you. God really spoke to you or, or led you. He was present and he really worked this huge thing out. 
should think back to all the crazy things that God pulled off in that place, in that season. And I want you to tell him how grateful you are for, for how he led you and carried you through that. And now I want you to bring back to mind that, that thing that was causing you anxiety or worry or concern a few minutes ago. And I want to ask you a question. What is God calling you to do there? What is your next step? And if you feel like God's really spoken clearly to you right now, there's something in your gut or something in your head that you know you're supposed to do, will you raise your hand right now? Raise it high if you got clarity on that thing. Okay, open your eyes. Hands all across the room. God has supplied all of your needs. God is speaking in the places where you are burdened and heavy laden. If you will come to him and allow him to bring you to a place of rest. That five minutes that we just spent together, not even four and a half, you could do that one day. You could do that every day. And it would reset your perspective and it would bring rest to your soul. Because God has given you not a burden, but a gift that's perfectly matched to your needs. And he wants to speak to you. and He wants you to hear from him this year in ways that you've never even imagined. If you'll stop long enough, be present and listen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are speaking, that you are at work. We thank you that you want to meet all of the needs we have and to bring peace to our hearts. You didn't promise us a peace that was an absence of problems. You promised us, God, your presence, our peace in the midst of our problems. You told us that even you had trouble in this world, but that you had overcome. And so we pray that you would give us that gift of overcoming wherever we're heavy laden and burdened today. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.